Hi there, and welcome to the Ones to Watch podcast. Here we discuss exciting technology companies with their founders and CEOs leading their industries, going deep on strategy, success, and their plans for future industry disruption and domination. I'm Paul Quatricasas, founder and CEO of Aqua Partners and creator of the Ones to Watch podcast. Stay on after the show, and we'll share with you how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing podcasts in our industry. With that, let's get started. Welcome to this episode of The Ones to Watch, where we talk to people who are uh, disrupting the tech space and moving forward with some very interesting technology, as well as um, making a difference in their communities. So today, we're excited to speak with John Nelson. He is the co-founder and CEO of Room Delivery. Uh, This is an e-commerce solution that is designed for convenience stores and small markets. So uh, welcome to the show, John. Tell us a little bit about Vroom. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, as you stated, Vroom Delivery, we're basically the uh, the sort of gold standard for e-commerce platforms for the, the convenience store industry. Um, in the U.S., the convenience store industry is over 150,000 stores um, doing over $250 billion in inside sales. Um, but, you know, historically, this industry has been uh, you know, a little bit behind some of other the other industries in terms of e-commerce and delivery. We I actually got into this uh, back in 2015, um, in that my my family, uh, my dad's business owned one at one time was a pretty significant operator of convenience stores based out of Texas, um, and he was looking to get into the e-commerce space and couldn't find a solution that that would work for him. Um, so I got together with myself. Um, and my brother, who at the time was uh, working at Palantir, and we built the first iteration of the Room platform for his stores with the idea that if it worked, we could uh, take it to market. Um, and that's what we've been doing ever since. That's very cool. So so this is something that uh, you worked on as a solution to a problem that you saw in your own family. Uh, so uh, now you said you, you wanted to take it to market if it worked well. So I assume it's been working well. So what are what are others saying about your solutions then? So what are some of the most common things that people say, um, especially in terms of how you are targeted to that convenience store market? Yeah, well, the, the convenience store industry is interesting that it's, it's on a completely different tech stack than, say, the restaurant industry or uh, the, the grocery store industry even. It's really it's its own tech ecosphere. Um, and so, you know, that's why early on when we were trying to find something, you know, convenience stores are unique in that they have a very broad mix of products, everything from made-to-order pizzas, but also, you know, a lot of, you know, age-restricted items, still a heavy reliance on, on you know, age-restricted categories for their sales. And, you know, the margins in all the different categories are very broad. You know, secondly, uh, you know, the the these guys are constantly changing their pricing. You're talking about several thousand SKUs that are, you know, that maybe even every week they're changing them, changing the promotions. Uh, so there were, you know, the, the basic restaurant menuing services weren't really a good fit. The third parties weren't really a good fit. So what we really did is really focus our energies for this industry, um, building it out. Um, you know, I can get into what we've been doing since 2015, but, you know, flash forward to pandemic of last year, um, when when the lockdowns came into place and in-store traffic really shut down, the industry really panicked and realized they didn't have the infrastructure to deal with online ordering, to deal with delivery. Um, and, you know, we, we rapidly 
acquired customers over the last you know 12 to, to 16 months here uh, of businesses that were looking for what we were looking for in 2015 was a, was a plug and play solution for this industry and we were really the only ones that been building it for the last six years. Yeah. So now you mentioned that you saw this growth here, especially during the pandemic and when these delivery, uh, suddenly delivery was really needed, even for convenience stores and small markets. Uh, do you see them kind of sticking with that? Is that something, a trend that you think uh, people are going to stick with now that now that we're all used to having delivery and curbside pickup and all of that kind of stuff? Uh, is that something that you see sticking around? Definitely. I mean, if you look at the sort of macro trends, I look at convenience as a subset of the overall grocery space. And if you, if, there's a lot of data coming out on there. You know, in in 2017, uh, Nielsen's predicted that uh, online grocery by 2025 would reach 100 billion dollars. Uh, their the latest projections are now at 250 billion dollars by that same year. So it's gone up. The projections of growth uh, have gone up by 150 percent since just 2017. Um, and if you look sort of on the month to month trends. The, the usage of e-commerce in the grocery space is still up 6x over the, the numbers that came out just before the pandemic. Uh, every, all, all the data is indicating that people's trends have, in terms of moving towards e-commerce has been accelerated by years. Uh, and that once people have realized how easy it is to order things online and have it delivered and um, not have to make those trips, and, it's, you know, and, if, and if the price points are similar, um, there's no reason not to continue to utilize those services. And that's what we're continuing to see, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic. Here. Oh, very cool. So, so since you are one of the first, one of the only that have been building out this kind of platform, how are you managing to kind of protect your intellectual property? How did you come up with uh, some of the designs you're using? Uh, do you have any way of making sure that you kind of retain that edge? Because you do have that edge, right? You're, you're first to market. You're one of the very few in the market serving uh, this particular segment. So how are you planning on maintaining that edge? Well, as I, as I briefly mentioned before, you know, it, it's, it's a very different tech stack um, and it's a very different industry to what a lot of the sort of larger um, restaurant focused or grocery focused um, e-commerce tools were, were designed around. Um, so, you know, we're talking, for example, with the dozen or so loyalty companies that play in the space. They talk a different language than loyalty companies that talk to restaurant point of sales do. Um, you know, the, the back-end systems that the, you know, most convenience stores are also gas stations and, and they run off of the different back-end systems. Um, you know, we've partnered with all of the major back-end providers, actually the largest provider in the space, a company called uh, uh, PDI, um, we're not actually also not just a, a partner of theirs, but um, you know we are actually basically providing their e-commerce solution, and they provide the backend software, something like eighty percent of all convenience store chains. Um, and they actually approached us very early in the pandemic because they recognized that they didn't have in their own tech stack any kind of e-commerce tool, um, and so you know they're they're packaging ours along with their other products. Um, so you know it'd be pretty hard, I think, for another company to come in, especially one that was designed for a different industry. Um, and and really try to build what we've been focusing on for so long. Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool that you're kind of uh, kind of doing that. So, um, how do you see um, making new changes to uh, to the product as you move forward? Because uh, you mentioned it is a different tech stack. It is something that um, you do differently than maybe some other. 
you know, like you said with the grocery stores, but, um, you know, I, I imagine things are going to evolve moving forward. So what kinds of things do you do to make sure that you're ready to evolve moving forward and that you're ready to kind of maintain your supremacy in that space? I assume you're not just like sitting still, right? You're not oh, like no. just resting <laughs> on your laurels. No, no. I mean, the, the, the front end tools, the tools that either the, cust- the store's customers, the store's employees are dealing with have very well developed. So we've really focused our development efforts on these sort of backend type integrations. So, you know, de- uh, integrating with as many of the loyalty companies as we can, integrating with as many of the backend providers as we can. We've layered in third-party fulfillment delivery options, tools for uh, route planning tools for people doing their own deliveries. Um, we're going to be the first in the space. We haven't announced it publicly yet, but um, we're going to be the first in the space to offer online Snap or EBT. That's the food, uh, online digital food stamp program. Um, right now, it's really just Amazon, Walmart, and a couple large grocery chains that offer that. So, um, you know, as we continue to add these types of features and functionality to be, um, you know, improve the product for for both us and our customers who are the convenience stores, um, not the end user. We 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 market our, our software to in the B two B models to the convenience store chains themselves. So, um, so you mentioned being one of the first to offer like the electronic uh, EBT uh, method. So, how is that? Uh, how are you able to kind of do that? If 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 you're if if you can like give us some insight into that because that is that does open up a huge market and it does open up. Um, you know, like you said, you may be marketing B two B, but it does provide you a really great selling point for your customers who can then turn around and say, hey, we have this functionality um, from your small local bodega or your small local convenience store, your small gas station. Um, We have that now online. So uh, how how are you getting ready to integrate that? And what kind of hurdles do you have when you're trying to integrate that? Yeah, it's not an easy process. Um, the FDA, or sorry, the FNS rather, has um, they've been largely working with just the big guys, Amazon and Walmart, for uh, for a few years now to to offer this. And it was only last year that they opened it up to other businesses to to apply for it. So it is a lengthy process. Uh, you, there's multiple layers of approvals that you need to get, both at the federal level and at each individual state as well, uh, needs to prove the workflows. Um, so even if someone, if a, if a you know competitor was to try to start work on that now, I I would estimate it would take them at least eighteen months, uh, if not longer, to to implement something like this. Wow. So so this is something that you've had in the works for even before the pandemic. Then probably we started looking to. Oh, actually, it was during the pandemic. They only opened it up last year. Uh, oh, okay. To, yeah. To to new and um, when they first opened it up, it was only a handful of states. It's now available in in all states. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a very, very new program. Uh, there's very few processors that will that are able to process the information. Um, but you know, we think it provides a lot of value um, to a lot of customers. You know, a lot of the chains we work with are not your corner bodega. You know, in a major metropolitan area, these are uh, largely in rural areas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where there are limited uh, e-commerce offerings, there's different demographic situations. So, you know, there's certain groups we work with in particular that are quite excited that their customers can have online ordering and home delivery and all those things, but utilize these, these government funded programs. Very nice. So now you talked about most of your customers being rural. You mentioned that. How do you decide who you're targeting? Um, and how do you decide, you know, 
who who to kind of work with and who you want to work with, um, and, and what made you decide rural as opposed to focusing on small like uh, the bodegas and markets in small cities or large cities as well. Yeah. But but yeah, like how did you decide on that uh, that customer base targeting? You know, it's just where a lot of these guys are. Our target market segment um, are really what we kind of refer to as like midsize or regional chains. Um, so we work with 7-Eleven, for example, but we work with 7-Eleven Hawaii, which is 66 stores just in Hawaii and, and largely in the big island and, and, you know, outside of even Honolulu. Um, you know, we have, you know, nearly 50 chains that we work with now and around the world, work with chains in most states, in fact, now. Um, and it's just where these guys are, they, they tend to be positioned. Um, you know, cities tend to be, you know, smaller format stores, uh, you know, the less offering versus the, the more uh, rural stores or the stores in smaller cities. Um, they tend to be larger format stores. They have more product. Um, you know, in, in some of the towns we work with, you know, those, the stores we work with are probably the only delivery service for basic grocery, for pizza, for beers, for cigarettes, for all of it. So it's where someone can basically really do a lot of their shopping online um, and get dinner and, you know, get drinks for the evening as well. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. So you've kind of really uh, figured out exactly where that need is. And then you've kind of honed in on that uh, to make sure that what you're doing is viable and meets that need. Yeah. And um, don't get me wrong. I think there is demand for this type of offering in cities. Uh, it's just right. our target customer base aren't necessarily there. You know, we've talked with a number of chains that do operate in larger cities and, you know, they're getting nervous uh, around some of these e-commerce only delivery only models like GoPuff that are rapidly expanding mm. around the country. And those are popping up in urban areas. So there's clearly a demand for this product set um, in larger areas. And we are you know, we're talking with some groups, but at the moment, most of our chains, I would say, are, are outside the major metro areas. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't mean that you won't eventually move in. <laughs> I'm talking to a couple in a couple yeah. cities. So we, yeah. we might be in Dallas soon. So. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, so now you mentioned too about this, this is, uh, you mentioned too about, uh, like the alcohol and the cigarettes getting those delivered. Um, you know, and we talked a little bit about, you know, the EBT, what kind of regulations do you run into state by state with like the cigarette and the alcohol delivery? I know a lot of places, um, relaxed their alcohol delivery during the pandemic, but now places are starting to tighten those back up again. The pandemic is getting over, uh, people are opening up. And so now alcohol delivery isn't the same as it was during the pandemic. So uh, what kind of hurdles have you been uh, having to deal with, with that cigarette and alcohol piece? And how do you solve those problems? Well, actually, a lot of the states that implemented more relaxed rules ended up making those changes permanent. Um, Even in some of the more conservative states in the country, um, you know, I think there was a a state senator from Oklahoma, that uh, when he was pressing to make the, the change to allow alcohol delivery permanent, I think his, his line was something like, well, nothing bad happened. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, we're, you know, pre pandemic, if you were looking at where you could deliver alcohol, a lot of states actually did allow self delivery of alcohol. The change a lot made is they now allow third parties to do it. And so a lot of the stores mm-hmm. we work with do use third party on the back end fulfillment side. So that's really expanded the opportunity for the stores we work with to increase their fulfillment options for alcohol. Uh, tobacco is another matter. Um, you know, we see, we've seen laws that with tobacco tend to get more restrictive, not less. Mm. Um, I think you'll continue to see the change of the alcohol liberalization. And I think you'll continue to see a restriction on, on the tobacco delivery. 
that being said, um, what's what's interesting, and none of the third parties will allow you to to do tobacco on their own platforms. Um, they won't let they won't tr- they won't transact. They won't uh, process those payments. Um, but if you go through an e-commerce provider like us that provides the platform to the stores, there actually are um, options and opportunities to do home delivery tobacco in, in a number of states. But it is very state by state. In some states, it's county by county. So. Um, you know, it is, it is, it is a bit of work to make sure that you're, and, and the laws that are changing so fast now. Um, but, you know, we put a lot of effort to make sure our states are abiding by the rules and regulations in the local regions in which they operate. So. Yeah. So, so that, that's um, amazing how you're, you're able to kind of take care of that regulation and, and stay on top of that. And you mentioned also, you know, with the uh, EBT, you've got those state stuff, that state piece on top of the federal piece. So what kinds, do you have any automations or any processes that you use to kind of help you stay on top of that and kind of manage that workflow a little bit um, so that you're not like, I mean, because you could spend all of your time just doing nothing but regulations. So um, so do you, do you make use of technology uh, to kind of, to manage that? Yeah. You know, it's, there's, there's only so much technology can do sometimes. Sometimes it's, you know, you got to know the local TABC agent on the ground, right? And luckily, the, the, a lot of the chains we work with are old established businesses. A lot of these mid-sized regional chains are actually multi-generational family-owned entities. So a lot of them have good re- relationships with the local regulators. So oftentimes, we'll work with the chains that we sign ourselves to be like, here's our understanding of the rules and regulations, but you should you know, make sure you go and get it signed off by your, by your local you know, ABC agent. Um, but you know, we, we, we try to keep track of the macro level, but it's changing so fast. If, if anyone wanted to build a platform, they can track all of this stuff in, in real time. I, I'd sign up and pay for that subscription. So. <laughs> Very nice. And so of course, but one of the great things about what you offer is you offer that backend integration to make it easier for once these chains know what, what they can do, they can easily just plug in your platform and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, basically, you know, our stores reflect the real-time pricing of the in-stores whenever the stores push changes, and not just pricing, but, you know, if you walk into a convenience store and you say, you know, buy two pills, get one for free, um, you know, we've automated all of that. So we make it really easy. Um, you know, it's not just the order online, it's really a digital storefront um, that we, we provide to these guys. Very cool. So um, before we close out here, let's talk a little bit about your company itself, your company culture. Uh, what what kinds of values do you have and, and what kinds of uh, ways are you promoting a good company culture uh, that will hopefully make your business sustainable into the future? Yeah, well, we were actually kind of prime place for when the pandemic hit. We were always remote first. Um, we've got people um, all across the country from New York, to the Midwest, to West Coast, um, you know, that have been working on the platform. Our team's expanded um, over that time. Um, so, you know, getting used to a little bit, few more people on the Zoom calls than we used to be on them. But, uh, you know, I think we were positioned, we didn't have to scramble to figure out how we're all gonna work remotely. Um, so mm-hmm. I think in that sense, you know, we are ahead of the curve. I do think though, you know, there are some questions as we continue to grow, um, you know, for those companies that do remain remote first, um, you know, how you establish, a, you know, a culture and, and, mm-hmm. and everything throughout a different, you know, uh, I may not be talking to certain members of the team more than once a month, just because they're, you know, they're under the management of my CTO. Um, so I, you know, I think those are questions that, you know, we look into and, and, you know, we want to make sure that everyone's, uh, you know, happy with the environment and the culture of the company. 
Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us today, John. Um, real quick, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you online and how they can learn more about you and room delivery? Sure. Um, I mean, our company's domain is uh, roomdelivery.com. Um, if people are interested in more on the information for stores, um, there's a subdomain roomdelivery.com forward slash perspective. Um, gives a little bit more details on uh, how we operate and um, some of the features of the product. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, John. <laughs> thank you all for listening to us. Remember to subscribe and to tune in next time when we share another story from a company that is providing leadership and disruption in the technology space. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Ones to Watch podcast. If you're interested in sharing your company's story and joining us as a guest on the show, please visit www.aquapartners.com slash podcast slash apply. If you liked what you heard, please also visit me and my firm Aqua Partners on LinkedIn and connect. We're always keen to expand our networks and engage with like-minded individuals. Also, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, I'm Paul Quatracasas. Thanks for listening to the Ones to Watch podcast.